0: Alright, episode 1. Uh, I got some good suggestions yesterday on Twitter from a couple of my friends that are excited about possibly listening and becoming maybe a subscriber to this podcast. Um, today we're going to talk about Duke's depth for next year. Um, a possible roster look. Incoming recruits. The conference as a whole, because I really do want to dip into a little bit more about Qs and who they return, who they don't return. They're finally starting to get some feedback on some of the fifth-year guys on whether whether or not they're going to come back. I know Danny Varello said yesterday he's coming back. Nick Mellon won't be coming back. And there's a couple of other question marks for Qs. North Carolina, they should be about the same they had a, a lot of underclassmen contributors. I don't know how many seniors are actually going to take up that fifth year. Um, Notre Dame, very young, and it showed uh, towards the tail end of the season before it got canceled, a couple of losses there back-to-back. Um, they'll be good. They're Notre Dame. They're always going to be good. Whenever there's a, whenever there's Corrigan on the sideline, it's, it's going to be a battle. And then Virginia. Virginia has already... Cl- came out and said that michael kraus won't come back so there's there's your stud attackman for the last four years an absolute phenom i kind of wish he got a better shake he got hurt last year he came back um they had already kind of established matt Moore as the guy so kraus lost his alpha spot in my opinion he lost his alpha spot um dox Aitken, another one that wants that's already claimed he's playing f- football at villanova next year So I think he's gone, which that brings me back to Duke. I think the door is closed on JT Giles Harris, our first-team All-American and ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Close defenseman, which is a huge bummer because I'm a gigantic fan of his. Um, I've watched him all four years. I thought he was an absolute stud. I thought he was primed to have a huge year this year. Repeat as D-Player of the Year. It wasn't meant to be. He said he wants to play football as well. I expect him to fulfill that because coming back for lacrosse in a fifth year and then it's just, it's too much time to be in college. He's got a, um, a career as a PLL player guaranteed. He's probably got his Duke degree. I mean, it's all set up for him to be, you know, a professional in, in some sort moving forward. Um, why spend another year playing lacrosse? I mean, for my own greedy reasons, I would love to have him back for our defense, but, we'll get into that later um, another thing that people wanted to talk about was um, conference alignment Matt Johnson asked about conferences and is there really a need for conferences in college across? and I'll get into that a little bit and some other stuff I want to get into is the transfer portal um, we'll stick to D1 today I could go on for hours about D3 um, but D1 will focus on because there there have been a lot of really talented kids that have thrown their name in the pool, namely Michael Sowers, who is yet to pick a school, which I'm sure he'll be very patient with that process, considering he's easily the best player in lacrosse next year when he comes back. He was the best player in lacrosse this year. He was averaging 9.4 points a game before the season ended. He was untouchable. He'll be untouchable next year wherever he is. I'm hoping if it's not Duke which they are you know, one of the front runners. that it's not in the ACC. I really, really don't want a very youthful Duke defense to have to worry about guarding him amongst others. We already have to worry about Chris Gray. We'll already have to worry about Scanlon. We'll already have to worry about Kavanaugh. We'll already have to worry about Matt Moore and countless other great, great lacrosse players in the ACC. Um, but we'll get into that. Uh, right now, I'd like to start off by talking about Duke's recruiting class, which is fantastic. It's the number one recruiting class in the country. They have the number one player in the country coming in, Brennan O'Neill, St. Anthony's kid, New York State represent. Um, he's actually bringing a couple of teammates from um, St. Anthony's with him. Duke is stockpiled four or five stars, four or four stars coming in next year on top of a great recruiting class this year. They bring back Robertson, who tore his ACL in practice before the season even started. Right before the season started, which absolute bummer. But if there was ever a season to miss with an ACL injury, it was this one. Um, so Joey could actually get two years, because he got the medical redshirt and then he got the fifth year. I doubt he'll use it. I think next year will be utilized. He'll be utilizing a senior year. He'll graduate. He'll move on. Especially with the ACL, you don't want to really risk injuring it again, especially if you want to play professionally, which he's definitely capable of. He's a great scorer. Um, so the attack next year is actually kind of a jumble because, honestly, the, the emergence of J.P. Basile, which I couldn't have been more ecstatic about, he's phenomenal. He became that X guy, that facilitator, that feeder. He, he looked confident. He looked like he had been playing as a starter on Duke's attack for two years already he looked great so that kind of puts a wrench into things and you know Brennan's going to start at attack Dyson Williams who was Duke's leading goal scorer as a freshman an absolute phenom a Canadian the number two recruit in the country last year lived up to the name that is a big question mark for him we have him we have Robertson we have Joey Manown, who I think's coming back. J.P. Pasil. I mean, they're stocked. I expect C.J. Carpenter to probably move on. I think a sixth year at the in the program is kind of a little bit too much. If he comes back, I think he'd be utilized from the midfield. I don't think he would be an attackman. I think there's just too many bodies. I think your ideal attack would be, and this is just <laughs> this is just me throwing you know a bunch of names out there that I think would fit brennan o'neill garden man in the left side the x guy being probably jp and robertson playing the right i i mean you got experience you got someone that can facilitate and you got in a utility knife in brennan o'neill who's a monster and more than capable of being duke's leading score for the next four years i think he will be he's he's a generational talent so be excited about that duke fans um i think you'll see dyson williams coming out of the box i think he'll be running a lot of midfield he'll be on man up it's really it's really tough to see him being i mean he'll obviously slide back into the starting attack spot when robertson leaves but it's just kind of a bummer because he was having such a big year he's so attack driven he's not a dodger he's a great finisher he's got a phenomenal stick but he feeds off of someone else creating for him. Which you have to have players like that on this level. You have to have people that are going to distribute as well. But you have to have finishers. And Duke has two from the left side. There's just not... An, there's there's too many miles to feed on that attack. And Brennan O'Neal is, is just... He's too good. I don't think you can run him at midfield. I think you have to have him on the field all the time. Um, your midfield is going to be very fun. Because you have Owen Caputo. Who I think... Is the most talented maybe we have. I think he's arguably maybe the most talented player on the team. I'm a big homer for Owen Caputo. Um, then you have Nakai coming back, who is an elite Dodger who will draw the pole every game. Cambodore I mean, you just have so many bodies that it's it's kind of tough to to place guys on first and second line because it's almost two equal lines I think Duke is going to be a powerhouse as a scoring team next year I think they I think they these guys these kind of fill in guys I know Basile only played because Robertson got hurt but it was like the best thing that could have happened to Duke's offense because now you have that guy that can dodge he's a big-bodied guy he can finish he's confident he's confident because of in the eight games that he played he looked fantastic He looked like one of Duke's best players. Um, I really like... Hold on just one second. So, I did leave off... Actually, I can't remember where I left off, but I'll swing back into our midfield lines, because I want to finish up talking about them before I actually get into the defense, the LSMs, the short sticks, and the goalies. That's a whole different situation because, you know, with the loss of JT, that's going to really hurt um, the experience on that end. I think we'll still have some guys. I think we'll still have some guys that can step up. But um, the rest of the midfield, I mean, the only guarantees that I can see coming back that saw time this year are... Ledman and Connor Drake. Um, then you got Jake Caputo and Blake Leishow. Blake Leishow probably will leave. I don't know if he'll use his fifth year. I don't know if um, Riley Walsh, Sean Lowry, or Quigley will use theirs. That's a lot of experience on midfield. I feel like they had a lot of unfinished business. They were growing something. They made it to two Final Fours. I really think they wanted to get... And you know what, with the influx of talent coming in, I think... It's incentive to come back and maybe take one more run at it. A lot of those guys probably aren't, I mean, I don't want to sound insulting, but a lot of those guys probably aren't prospects for pro lacrosse. So maybe take a year off from getting into your pro, you know, your actual professional working career. But there's a lot of depth. Um, LSMs are going to be very good. I'm excited about that. Um, I love Tyler Carpenter. I love Wilson Stevenson, he's coming back from injury. I just think that you know, with how good Wilson or with how good Carpenter was this year that I mean it's it's not likely that Wilson Stevenson sees a ton of time running the pole. Cameron Henry's very good too. He was a freshman. They just they have good players. They have good guys and they all played this year and Wilson Stevenson kind of missed the whole year. He missed practice. He missed those games. He kinda of fell behind a little bit. I think he'll still have a role. But kind of like Rain Schamberger, who came in as one of the top recruits in the country, he never really found his footing on Duke's defense. He you know, there was a lot of hype, a lot of you know, a lot of promise from him, but he just never he, he, he played sparingly. I just don't see someone like that being a huge Pulse of the defense, close defense. That's interesting because I mean, I'm a big I'm a big Frizoli fan. Obviously, losing JT is a bummer, but you have Cole Kraus coming next year. You have Kenny Brower, who was a freshman this year, who's very good. Who was actually college on college cross's All American team, which I mean, that doesn't carry a ton of weight, but it's still a nice recognition. The goalie position. I think it goes to Bonafede. I think Turner Upgren leaves. He's already in his fifth year. I think Bonafede is the guy. They do bring in a goalie, a four-star. I think there will be a competition, but I think it's Bonafede. He saw time this year. He's been there. He knows the culture. I think he. I think he steps in. I think he has a big year. Um, as far as other schools in the ACC that I'm actually worried about number one is Syracuse. Syracuse, I mean, they own Duke in the regular season. Even on Duke's best years, Syracuse's worst years, they always find a way to win, and they have a lot of players coming back. They have their whole midfield line coming back. Well, that's, you know, pending Jamie Trimboli's decision. He's waiting on financial stuff. But Dordovic comes back. Curry comes back. They have Lucas Quinn. They have David Lipka coming back to run them, you know, to, that's Jacob Buttermore. Peter Durth, he's a senior. I don't know if he'll come back. I expect him to, but you can always move Owen Seaball to midfield. You have Owen Hiltz coming in, the attackman, who's a stud, who will probably step in and start right away. Scanlon, I don't know what Rafis is going to do. Griffin Cook's back. And then they're probably waiting on what is going to happen with, Michael Sowers I know a lot of Syracuse faithful are you know pushing Sowers to Q's like it's almost a guarantee when it's not um, but they have a lot of good players Syracuse has a lot of they, they have a lot of good talented experienced players I mean I'm not I hate Syracuse as you all know I can't I can't stand the program in lacrosse basketball fucking tennis I don't I don't like anything about Syracuse but I respect what they've been building. They have a lot of upperclassmen that have... They've seen some growing pains. They've seen some tough early losses in the tournament. I just think that they're due. You know, and they haven't won a title since 9 It's been 11 years. I just think they're due. I think they have I think they have good depth in the midfield. I think if Owen Hiltz plays to his kind of potential, I think that a tag is going to be as good as they have been in the past five years. And their defense. Their defense took a huge hit. They obviously lost Nick Mellon. I don't know if Drake Porter is going to come back. He was good. He was a preseason ECC goalkeeper of the year. Um, After that, uh, Luke Strang, I guess, could play. I mean, they have a a lot of goalie depth, but none of them really have a lot of experience. They did get a Danny Varello commitment to come back and play his fifth year, which is big, I guess. He's a face-up guy. He's solid. He didn't... I mean, he split a lot of face-ups with Jacob Fopp this year. So, I don't know how huge a return it is. I mean, if anything, it... I mean, this is my negative attitude towards Q speaking, but if anything, it hinders Fopp from being that guy. Um, but, oh, oh, wait, wait. Before I go any further about, you know, Syracuse, who I hate, I mentioned that, um, I wanted, wanted to discuss... um face-off guys for, for Duke because Jordan Ginder was fantastic he was plus 60 he's a sophomore he's he was better the thing that bothered me so much about him last year is his shaky stick when he would break away from a pile after a face-off win I feel like he was susceptible to turning it over this year he got better he's starting to use his legs a lot more and he was winning at a very very good clip can't i don't have the percentage in front of me i wish i wrote it down but i know it was plus 60 which anytime you're plus 60 that's great that's fantastic that's what you want you're winning half the possessions you're winning more than half the possessions for the for the team and that just gives us more time on offense um which which will be beneficial next year if our defense is so young you know less exposure to elite offenses for them the better and having a good quality face of guy and reliable willing wings which is hey where Wilson Stevenson could fit in as a wing guy, um, I think you could really uh, really benefit from having an experienced Jordan Gender next year and an experienced wing. But Jake Nazo comes in next year, five-star Fogo, who flipped. I think he flipped from Virginia, and he chose Duke, which is huge. Um, kind of like Brennan O'Neill flipped from Penn State, who he was committed to for, like, four years before he decided he was going to come to Durham instead, smart choice, because no Grant Ament there to play with. No Mac O'Keefe. Could you imagine that attack line if Grant Amant came back, which he's not? Could you imagine Penn State's attack line of Grant Ament, Mac O'Keefe, and Brendan O'Neal? Oh, man, lights out. We're talking averaging 20-plus goals a game for the entire season. They wouldn't be able to stop anybody because their defense is, you know, meh. But that offense would just outscore and outpace everybody okay moving on back to the ACC um who's next who can I talk about next who do I hate next you know let's talk about Notre Dame oh god if there was ever a team that was owned by Duke it's Notre Dame but I'm trying to not be you know biased here let's let's be impartial um I only got to watch Notre Dame play twice this past year. I watched them get pounded by Maryland, and I watched them almost, almost lose to Richmond before they completely exposed Richmond's defense in the second half. But um, I did follow their Denver and Ohio State game. They lost both those games. They actually slid three times to end the season kind of convincingly. Ohio State beat them. It was a lot closer than the two-goal discrepancy. Denver was killing them. And Notre Dame made a little run at the end. And Maryland just never let up. They won by five, 14-9. Um, two of those games were away. But you got to think, you know, Notre Dame played with a freshman goalie, Liam Enteman, who's who was highly touted, very good. Um, so that – and the fact that you did lose some defense, and let's be honest, I mean, Brian Costabile, he's the only upperclassman that really was a substantial piece last year. You know, Willits was Okay wheaton jack Boys was solid, but Brian Costabile is the one that's going to gain just constant attention. Um, Matt Cavanaugh's younger brother, Pat, was decent. Griffin Weston, another – Griffin Westland, excuse me, was another good, solid young guy. They're very good. They're built. If Costabile comes back, which I guarantee he will – I mean, he was the preseason ACC player of the year. He was a preseason first-team All-American. He was probably on his way to winning the McLaughlin Award for top Midi. I mean, I don't think he was on his way. He was off to a shaky start. He only had 14 points to the first five games. Um, but he, nevertheless, he would have been all ECC. He would have been all American again because it's very political. <laughs> That's just a conversation for another day. Um, I think Notre Dame is, is built in two years, much like Duke, to be a national title contender. I think Duke next year will be good. I think their ceiling is championship weekend. I think the year after that and the year after that, are really the years where you have to win a title. I think the talent you have, you have to win a title. You'll have all those young defensemen will be juniors and seniors. Um, you'll have junior and senior um, Dyson Williams and Brennan O'Neill. You'll have some very good middies like Nakai and Badour that should be, you know, you know they should be All-Americans. I mean, Nakai will be an All-American, but Badour's got the potential as well. Garrett Ledman, another one. Owen Caputo, another one. They have a lot of talent. Um, the it by itself, I mean, Syracuse is the only team right now that I can think of that really kind of has to win now. Like, next year's kind of their year. They do lose some some guys. Um, they'll lose Curry after next year. They'll lose Tromboli after next year. That'll leave Dordovic with a couple of second, some perennial second-line, third-line middies like Seabold and, you know, guys like that you know and whoever they have and I haven't looked at Syracuse's recruiting class outside of Owen Heltz um but it's kind of a win now thing I think North Carolina is win now also I think you get one more year of Chris Gray and then he bails too Chris Gray we all know is a perennial stud all-American point scoring machine best player that North Carolina has had since probably Billy Bitter Marcus Holman you know um but the ACC is very good next year it'll be very competitive it'll get back to its mainstay at the top of college lacrosse conferences um, but yeah Virginia Virginia's got some question marks Virginia lost one of their best attackmen they'll probably lose their best midfielder they have talent coming back and they have a class coming in that's that's solid and well-rounded but Virginia they showed you know they they showed some Inconsistencies this year as well. I I, I hate to you know be the, the the pessimistic ACC fan here, but I mean they lost to Brown, they got beat up by Princeton. I mean they struggled with High Point, they struggled with Lehigh. I I just and I you know Virginia's got a knack for kind of starting a little slower, maybe losing a game or two that they should win, and then you know turning it on late. They're they're such a cardiac team. You know they'll. They'll be up by six. They'll let a team go on a 7-0 run, and then they'll make it an overtime game. You know, it's just, it's how they've been since Lars Tiffany got there. It's been like, it was like that was in Stars last few years. But, you know, they got to think they had Maryland, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Duke, Syracuse all coming up. I mean, there's at least three losses in there. I'm telling you right now, that was Virginia's rest of their schedule. That's three losses. Now we're looking at maybe a, like a 10-5 and five team, you know, with maybe only a, a game or two of quality wins. So... Defending champs maybe turn into a, a team that's, you know, going on the road for the first round. And then, you know, you lose you lose guys. You lost Kraus. You lost probably losing Doc Stakin. I don't know if Jared Connors is going to come back or Justin Schwenk. You have good players. I mean, you have Cormier. You have Garneau, who is good. You have Regan Quinn, who's going to be really good. Um, you have your your stud face of guy in P. D. La who's just an am, just an absolute animal. But the big thing that's gonna help Virginia next year is that they won't have to look far to replace Krauss because they have Connor Schellenberger there. Number one recruit last year coming in. They redshirted him. I thought that was interesting. Um Duke had the number two recruit, Dyson Williams, and he played right away. I know Duke didn't have the the returners that Virginia did, but you have to find a, a way to get this kid on the field. I don't care if you have to run him at midfield. You could have ran him at midfield. You ran other freshmen at midfield. UVA ran other freshmen at midfield. They ran Garnell and Quinn. They both played. So that's where I was kind of confused. Even Je- even Jeff Connor played, and Jeff Connor, I mean, he had a year under his belt, but, I mean, if you if you had these guys run at midfield, then you could certainly play the number one recruit in the country. I don't... I mean, you're still going to get four years out of him. I'm sure Lars and his staff were probably thinking he might not get utilized as much as we want to this year. He might be a midfielder that runs second line. He might only be, you know, like you have like a Bubba Fairman type freshman year where, you know, a stud coming in, saw time, saw exposure, but not as much as they wanted him to. So you'll see him fill in next year. That attack line will be an absolute monster, Laviano and more with him. Very good, very good. Um, other conferences, I got asked about other conferences. Ian asked me about other conferences, so let's get into that. I want to, I want to actually look at. Um, I want to look at the. I want to look at the America East. Uh, I know the America East was actually kind of down this year. Um. Stony Brook was solid. UMBC was solid. They hadn't really been tested. Vermont, another team that was, I mean, relatively untested. They played Holy Cross, Quinnipiac, Merrimack, and Dartmouth. It's just, I mean, they won three out of four. They were fine. They were beating the teams they should have, but they were squeaking by. I mean, Merrimack and Dartmouth, they won by a goal. Um, Vermont is actually pretty young um we're looking at their leading score two three four out of their seven leading scorers are coming back next year we don't know if French or Hudson are coming back I I do like Hudson I think he's a good solid MIDI. he's a scorer he's a score first guy he's a great dodging midfielder I don't know if he'll come back I think I don't really see any reason why him and French don't come back um I think Vermont brings back a lot of guys. I think they they have a really, really, really young team. I think they bring back a lot of guys. I think they're they're going to be a team that competes in the American East six year. I think they're a team that wins the American East regular season. I really do. Um, Especially knowing that Albany, who had a rough start to the year, two and three, probably loses Jacob Patterson. I think he goes and plays indoor. Nanakoke will be a senior, technically, with an extra year. I don't know how long he stays. I think next year he'll be there. I don't know anything about Nana Coke. I, I'm not a fan. I think he's a phenomenal I think he's a great player. I think he's got a fantastic stick. I'm not a fan. I think his behavior is I just don't like it. I don't like that kind of play. I don't that's why I didn't like Nate Solomon when he was at Syracuse. I just think they they carry themselves the wrong way. Um But I mean they bring back Yunker and Hogg. Kyle Casey will be there to probably be the best midfielder they have if Patterson or if um Ron John doesn't come back. Again, they're just, they're very young outside of, you know, those guys I named. I don't know if any of them are going to come back. Um, I think Patterson's gone. I really do. I don't know if he uses his fifth year. I'd be surprised. He's very good. He's an All American caliber player if he wants to come back for unfinished business. So be it, but you're looking at an Albany team that probably wasn't going to be a contender for the NCAA tournament much less the American East tournament. So you're coming back to kind of a hollowed out stable. You might lose Scotty Marr. He's probably a candidate to replace Petra which we'll get into. Um. Yeah, I just, I don't think there's a lot to come back to. And that, that sucks saying that. And that's, that's, you know, it's not right to say, you know, these guys quit on their teammates, they had another year, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes, you know, pros and cons, they just outweigh each other. You know, you could go and play professional. You could start your career. You've been in college for four years already. You don't owe anybody anything. It's your decision to make. Uh, I think that's why people get a little, like... I think people don't understand that. I think they get bent out of shape when guys don't come back that they love. You know, I'm obviously upset that JT's not coming back. There's a couple other seniors that, you know, they came back. Like, Carpenter and Lowry came back for a fifth year this year. They wanted they wanted another run at Championship Weekend. They probably won't stay. Um, I mean carpenter's role diminished already with Dyson coming in and I just I don't see a lot of these seniors that I mean you have to look at two one of two things is your spot safe when you come back are you that good where you're going to demand a spot on the field two is it worth a fifth year in college you know and you know even three is the team good are we going to make a run at this thing again? Are we going to win the ACC? Are we going to win the American East? Are we going to win the CAA? Are we going to win the Big East? I mean, I don't I don't really see a lot of these fourth, fifth-year guys coming back, especially if, you know, like Duke's got a huge recruiting class. Virginia's got a good recruiting class. Syracuse has a good recruiting class. Hopkins, Maryland, all these powers. I mean, a lot of these older guys are going to get phased out for the youth, and that's what brings me into my next point. Coaching, youth movement. Petromal is out. Starja was out two years ago. Two seasons, two full seasons ago. Lars Tiffany replaced him. I just... I, I, I think a lot of these older coaches and... And I'm not going to say Donowski. I'm not going to say Donowski. I love Coach Donowski, and I think Donowski has actually really adapted to the youthful, younger generation of lacrosse players very well. So I think he's kind of almost, you know, somebody that you can't even involve in this conversation. But Desko, Starja was one of them. Petro was one of them. I love Petro. Petro, a, a fun stat I saw about Coach Petromala last night was – the NCAA tournament in Division One has been going on for 50 years. He has been a coach or a player in 24 out of 50 tournaments. That's remarkable. He's played in half or coached in half, almost half, of every NCAA tournament since it began being held. That's remarkable. He's, he's an icon. He's a Mount Rushmore lacrosse guy. He's an All-American defenseman. He's a two-time national championship coach. He's made countless Final Fours. He's made countless tournaments. He's He's just, he's, he's a staple. And that's kind of the, you're kind of like towing the same line with Desco. Desco's got multiple championships. He hasn't won one since 2008, 2009, the, those two seasons, he won back to back, um, beating Hopkins, beating Cornell, but they don't, they're not adapting to a, a, a more youthful movement. And I think, you know, you've got your Tambronis and you got your Lars Tiffany and you got Tillman and I you know Sean Natalin and Greg Raymond and these young coaches and they're and they're bringing a whole new approach to lacrosse a whole new way to you know develop the game and and they and they relate to the younger youthful players a lot more than these older guys do you know 15 years ago Petramala and Desco and Starja and a lot of these older coaches even I mean even if you want to talk about Jack Emmer, you know, he was an, he's an OG, you know, Joe Barishi, I mean, all these guys, these are older coaches that they still coach the same way they did in the early 2000s. That's what I'm trying to say is it doesn't work as much anymore. That's why you see Hopkins and Syracuse not winning titles. Hopkins and Syracuse haven't won a title in a decade plus, And those are the two most prolific lacrosse schools in the history of the game. So I think you're going to see a youth movement going forward in the next five to seven years. I think a lot of these coaches are going to find their way out the door, and I think they're going to replace some of the young guys. I think Syracuse will eventually replace Desco. I'm not saying it's going to happen within the next year or two, but Desco, I think this is his best chance to make a run at a title next year's class. I mean, if you if you don't get one in the next two years, if you don't get to a Final Four in the next two years, I really think that the Cuse Athletics brass says, "Listen, Desco's great. He's brought us titles. He's brought us Final Fours. He's brought us great recruits. But maybe we need to move on." And I think there's a lot of young guys that could replace him. I think John Galloway is a big one that could replace him. I I don't know if you try to keep it as an alumnus. Maybe give Gary Gate a call. Take him take him away from the women's program, which he's built into a a power for the past, you know, five to seven years. I, I really don't know what you do. There's so many good young coaches out there and Petromala's job is one that has to be filled up within, you know, the next couple weeks. So you can kind of get himself assimilated with the new recruits, the players, the facilities, get him to move. I mean, Sean Adelon, he's been a name that I've heard. Greg Raymond was a Hopkins grad, a three-time captain. Uh, Scotty Marr is a Hopkins grad. He won a title with Hopkins. I mean, Jimmy Berkman, Salisbury head coach for the past 30 years. Great, arguably the most successful lacrosse coach ever. I think he has 11 or 12 national titles with Salisbury, which is remarkable. Stupid numbers. There's a lot of people that could replace him, um, that could replace him well. Um, Duke. Donowski probably will stick around for a few more years. I think he hands the job off to his son, Matt, who's been an assistant there for half a decade now, offensive assistant. Great, great, great lacrosse mind. Best lacrosse player Duke's ever had. Um, But, yeah, I'm going to cut this actually short. I am at work. I am getting paid to record a podcast. That's wild. Um I'll probably publish this today. I'm going to do a little editing, but a shout out to the Anchor app. Um, Again, they made downloading and starting this incredibly easy. It was only a few prompts. Before I knew it, I was up and running. Um, This is just something I'm trying out. I'm not a podcast guy. I like listening to them. I've never actually hosted one. Down the road, I want to get a couple of guys on here that I actually talk lacrosse with all the time. Ryan Moore, Alex Wisner, um, Adam Roberts, a couple guys that I talk lacrosse with all the time. I want to get them on here. I want to go back and forth about more D1 stuff. Um, A lot of D3 stuff. There's going to be a lot of big news coming up in the next few weeks. You're going to see a lot of good, talented players pick their schools. We'll get into that. Um, throughout the course of the summer, I'm probably only going to be recording a podcast like once a month. It's going to be, they're probably, I'm going to try to make them lengthy. I'm going to try to cover everything that happens. Um, I don't want to be like every other podcast. I want this to be kind of like off the cuff. I don't want it to be super formal. I want to have people on here. I want to go back and forth. I want to get into it. Um, I want to have some Syracuse fans on here so I can belittle them. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know, not really, um, I think it would be fun to get in here and have some lively debates on what's going to happen next year, between you know fans of a couple different schools. So, um, if you listen, I appreciate it. It wasn't a super long podcast, but I appreciate it. Um, I know I don't have a ton of followers that that love lacrosse, but I know a lot of people are are um, are going to do it because you know they're fans of my bullshit on Twitter, and I appreciate that. So if you gave it a listen, God bless you. I love you. Go Duke. Hit the subscription button if you would. Be a fan. Be a friend. Be a brother. Be a sister. Um, and leave some suggestions. I'm always open to suggestions, topics, things that people want to talk about. Um, if I have any female lacrosse fans out there, and you want to hear more about women's lacrosse, I don't know a ton. I follow them a little bit, but I would be happy to research for you. Um, again, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate, you know, the listen. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Go Duke.